Amen. Praise God. Wow. What a refreshing from the presence of God. Thank God for his goodness and for his mercies that endure forever. Amen. It's good to see you guys tonight and uh, very quickly we're going to jump into the word. We are starting tonight speaking on the victory over the power of sin. And uh, I just want you guys to be rest assured that Jesus did not just save us, but that he saved us and given us his spirit so that we will live a life of victory. Amen. That we will not have to continually live a life of cycle of sin and being defeated by sin and just completely devastated by the effects of sin. Amen? Amen. <clears throat> and so tonight, let's, uh, let me just establish some context and then we're going to go into the message. Uh, victory over the power of sin is a nice phraseology for the term sanctification. If I said we're going to be teaching on sanctification, many of you will not be here. But victory over the power of sin is a little more appealing to all of us and, uh, and uh, just giving us context. Many of us know the God story, the creation story from Genesis. How that God created the heavens and the earth, made Adam and Eve, and they were made in the image and likeness of God. We understand that through the uh, rebellion and uh, sin of eating the forbidden fruit, man fell, and as a result of that, uh, God has been, has, work, has been at work since then to restore man back to himself. So number one, God made man for relationship. Number two, in that context, man fell as a result of rebellion. But number three, and the good news is, God responded to that. And in his response, gave or made a remedy so that the relationship that was broken can be remedied. Amen? Amen. And so, uh, <clears throat> we are made in the image and likeness of God. The image describing the triuneness of God and of man. God is a spirit. He has a son and he's a father. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Okay? And so, man, we are made as a triune being. We, have a, we are a spirit. We have a soul. And we live in a body. So in that sense, we are made in the image of God. But that's not all God said in Genesis. We are made in the image and likeness of God. The likeness of God there describes how you and I should be able to act and live like God. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Yes. So in one sense, we are in his image. Spirit, soul, and body. In the other sense, we through the power of the Holy Spirit, can live like him, behave like him. You've heard the term, like father, like son. You see a young man do something, and immediately by looking at the young man, you invoke the memory of the father. Because somewhere in that behavior, you can see the resemblance of the father in and through the son. Well, that's God's intent for his children. He intends that through the power of his spirit, not only should we be delivered from the penalty of sin, but that in time we can have power over sin just like he is. The Bible says God said, I am holy and therefore you be holy. 
Okay? We can only be holy because he already possessed the ability to be holy. So that's the context for where we're going. Now, having established that context, let's go to this word, sanctification. What is it? How do we understand sanctification? Because it's a very important part, a, a part of uh, me and you being able to live uh, above the power of sin. In my notes I have, sanctification must be properly defined in order for it to be understood. The wrong understanding of the word leads to the wrong focus and therefore frustration. And for me, as I prepared and was studying for this, it became very clear that the reason many of us are frustrated, is this coming in and out? Oh, okay, it's just, I'm just, okay, all right. The proper understanding of the terminology, sanctification, helps us understand, number one, what God is after, and secondly, how we, by the power of the Spirit, can really, really live a life of victory. Okay? Now, sanctification simply means being set apart. And there are several words throughout the scriptures that were used to mean the same thing. <clears throat> One of them is the word consecration. So when a bishop is being consecrated, what we are really saying is we are setting that man or woman, that bishop, apart. Okay? Another word is the word dedication. Dedication or the word holiness. And of course the word or the phrase set apart. So anytime in the scripture you see set apart, holiness or holy, or dedicate or dedication, or consecrate or consecration, it's all saying the same things like sanctification. Now, to help us understand this term, there are several examples in the scriptures of sanctification. For instance, in Genesis chapter 2 in verse 23, the Bible said the seventh day is sanctified. Now, it's important you, 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 important you follow what I'm saying. This, this early part of this whole message really sets the pace for everything else. So we see a day <clears throat> is sanctified or set apart. In Exodus 29:44, we see that a building and its contents are sanctified. A building and its contents are sanctified. In Exodus 19, verse 23, a mountain was sanctified. And then in Leviticus 27, verse 14, a house was sanctified. So a day, a building, a mountain, and a house. Four different things in the scriptures. And we are told those four different things or objects were sanctified. Now, if those four examples, a day, a building, a house, and a mountain were sanctified and none of those things can sin. A day cannot sin. A mountain cannot sin. A building cannot sin. Now, people can do sinful things in a building. <laughs> and a house cannot sin. So, obviously, what God has in mind when he talks about sanctification must be bigger than the sin issue. 
Now, maybe I should say that in a different way. The point I'm making here is, when God says, me and you are sanctified, he's making a statement of ownership. Having been redeemed and purchased by the blood of his son, he's making a statement that by your sanctification, I not only bought you, I own you. And therefore, I want you to live your life not focusing per se on sin or sinning, but focusing on the fact that you no longer belong to yourself. You've been set apart unto him. Big difference. So my focus now is not the sins or sinning. My focus is the one who has purchased me to whom I've been set apart. So as long as I keep that focus, the sins that do so easily beset us becomes a minor issue. Because you are living a totally different life. A focused life. Does that make any sense? Being set apart and making that a focal point, you find that when you live with a mindset of understanding that you are set apart, you will not engage yourselves or yield yourselves through the power of the Spirit to certain things that easily beset other people. Mind blowing. Since I, since I started studying this subject, I, I'm telling myself now, I, I have a consciousness, a, a more awareness of the fact that, bank, you do not exist for yourself. You've been bought by the blood, and therefore, there's an ownership on you. Ownership. I mean, your car does not drive itself. You have to get in that car and drive it and tell it where to go, because you own it. So in the same sense, when you understand that God owns you, it changes your mindset. And you're going to see some examples in a minute. You see, in Egypt, the Bible said, God brought Israel out to bring them in. So God's purpose was not just simply fulfilled when he left Egypt. That was just a deposit. That was just the beginning of the journey. His purpose was not just to bring them out of Egypt, but to take them into the promised land. And so for you and I, that's what the sanctification journey does for us. We are delivered from the penalty of sin, and Jesus, by that same act on the cross, paid the price for you and I to live a victorious life and power over the effects of sins in our life. Amen? But we have to have certain understanding if we are going to be able to, to live that out. Now, it's also important for us to know Isaiah chapter 66 verse 17 talks about how some people are also set apart for evil. That really nails the meaning of sanctification. Isaiah 66 verse 17. It says, those who sanctify themselves and purify themselves to go to the gardens of an idol in the midst eating swine's flesh and the abomination and the mouse shall be consumed together. In our day, that passage becomes very clear. 
How can a group of people, quote unquote ISIS, set themselves apart to do evil like they're doing? Yes. Or Al Qaeda, or Boko Haram. You and I hear the news report about Boko Haram, or Al Qaeda, or ISIS, and we cringe. We say, this is heinous, this is despicable. How can any human being do this to behead a human being? For me and you, it's ridiculously evil. But for those guys, because they've been set apart for evil, it's normal. So look at the contrast. When you and I, in the same manner, set ourselves apart for God and to God, the rest of the world is going to look at us and say, man, how can a body do this and don't fall into this sin? How can Greg not partake of dope or alcohol or these crazy things? They can't understand it, but the reason you are not giving yourself to those things is because you've been set apart for a holy purpose. You recognize it, you embrace it, and you are living in it. But for those evil men, they can get on video, threaten you, threaten the world, and, and do it with pride because they think, you know what, this is, this is it. Yes. Because they've been sanctified for evil. So what, the point I'm trying to make in this introductory message is your focus. Our mindset. Recognizing, understanding, and embracing the fact that you and I have been bought, purchased by the blood of Jesus and therefore set apart for his holy purpose. And every day you remind yourself, Bank Akinmola, you are set apart for God. You are set apart unto God. You are set apart unto God. The more you remind yourself of that, the less you are able to do evil. Absolutely. Because you possess your vessel in holiness. Recognizing that, listen, I'm not just another person. I'm a chosen generation. I'm a royal priesthood. Amen. I'm a holy nation. What does it mean? Set apart nation. A peculiar people. Why? Why is all of this on me? That I may show forth the glory of him that has called me out of darkness into his marvelous light. And I recognize I cannot fulfill those things as long as I am, I am like the people I'm trying to reach. Amen? Now, in John chapter 17, this is just making a point for that, John 17. I'm going to close this early so we can have a maybe 10, 15 minute time to discuss. If you have any questions, any comments, John chapter 17. In verse 19, Jesus said, And for their sakes I sanctify myself, that they also may be sanctified by the truth. Now, you and I know that Jesus did not sin. He lived a perfect life, never sinned, and yet he says he sanctified himself to make the point we'll be making. So for him it was not a sin issue, but a mission issue. I sanctify myself. What is he saying? I've set myself for the mission for which I've been called. I'm set apart to fulfill my God-given mission. 
So again, we see here that the word sanctification or being sanctified is not referring to the fact that it was sinless, but the fact that it was set apart for a purpose. Now, of course, because we are set apart, it helps us not to sin. So not sinning becomes a byproduct of living a sanctified life. Did you guys understand what I just said? So rather than me focus on God, oh man, please help me not to sin today. No, wrong purpose. I'm not focusing on that. Rather I'm focusing, Father, I thank you for the enablement for me to live a life unto you today. I'm set apart for your purposes and so God, help me stay on track. I'm not going to make sin my goal. No. Jesus defeated sin. Amen. But I'm going to make living for God Unto God, unto his pleasure, my goal. And because I've made that my goal, I received the grace and the enablement to say no to sin. Hallelujah. Because you, all of a sudden you realize, you realize you, are, you are made for a greater purpose. My body is made for a greater purpose than to go and smoke dope. I'm made for a greater purpose than that. My body is made to glorify God. My body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Therefore, I will not yield this body to go and do something evil to bring displeasure to him. No, I am set for a holy purpose. I glorify God in my body. And I'm not going to glorify God in my body and use that same body to glorify the devil. Which one are you set apart for? Is it the devil or God? So when it comes to immorality and lying and cheating and all of those things that easily ensnare people, when you recognize that this body is the temple of the Spirit of God and God says, therefore glorify me in and through it, all of a sudden, I'm not going to use my hands to do something that does not bring him glory and use it to glorify the enemy. So we can say no to drugs, no to sex, no to all of those things. Any of those things that's going to ship us. Amen? Amen. Now, let me just, Galatians chapter 1 here. Let's look at the life of Paul. Paul definitely understood this message. And he lived by it. Galatians chapter 1, verse 15. It says, But when it pleased God, who separated me from my mother's womb and called me through his grace to reveal his son in me, that I might preach him among the Gentiles, I did not immediately confer with flesh and blood. Did you, see, did you cut that word in verse 15? When it pleased God, who separated me? That's the same word as sanctified. That's the same word as set apart. When it pleased God, who set me apart from my mother's womb. Paul recognized that his sanctification and his being set apart was not just when he arrived on planet earth. He recognized the foreelection of God, or rather foreknowledge of God in his life. He recognized that when he came here to this earth, he came with a mission and a purpose because he has been chosen in Christ Jesus from before the foundation of the earth. 
So now we can appreciate why, why Paul lived such a focused lifestyle after he became born again. Like a man that was possessed. <laughs> Absolutely. Because he realized he had been set apart from his mother's womb. He realized he had been set apart. And looking through his life and his ministry, we can see the result of that. Um, let's go to Judges chapter 3. I'm, I'm going to run this up now so we can take questions if you have them. Judges chapter 3. One good thing about the scriptures and Oh, Judges 13, I mean, I'm sorry. Judges 13. Verse 3 and 5. Is it possible for me to, to be set apart to God and blow it? Yes. And as long as we are here on the earth, sanctification and working out are being set apart is a lifelong process. But the good news is, you are making progress. And you are seeing the victory in your life. You are seeing change. There has to be change. There has to be change. If we truly had an encounter with God and truly filled with the Spirit of God, there has to be tangible fruit change that's evident. Amen? In Judges 13, Verse 3, the Bible says, And the angel of the Lord appeared to the woman and said to her, Indeed now you are barren and you have born no children, but shall conceive and bear a son. Now therefore be careful not to drink wine or similar drink, and not to eat anything unclean. For behold, you shall conceive and bear a son, and no razor shall come upon his head. For the child shall be a Nazarite to God from the womb. And he shall begin to deliver Israel out of the hand of the Philistines. This is Samson. Nazarite. A Nazarite is a symbol, a picture of one that's set apart unto God. Samson, endowed with incredible physical strength. You know the story? He gave in and succumbed to his... Uh, 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 pleasures and desires and Delilah finished him. I said, Delilah finished me. Yes. <laughs> you guys are, look at me like you've never heard Delilah before. <laughs> Beware of Delilah. <laughs> yes. But the good news here from this whole passage is this man was set apart unto God. Blew it from being careless and not possessing his vessels in holiness. And in chapter 16, I'm going to plug his eyes out. In chapter 16, in verse 28, we see that the Philistines were making sport of him. They were mocking him, mocking his God. And so they brought him to this stadium now. And they're making jokes of him. And in verse 28, then Samson called to the Lord saying, Oh Lord God, remember me, I pray. Strengthen me 
I pray just this once, oh God, that I may with one blow take vengeance on the Philistines for my two eyes. And Samson took hold of the two middle pillars which supported the temple and he braced himself against them, one on his right and one on the, one and the other on his left. Then Samson said, let me die with the Philistines. And he pushed with all of his might, and the temple fell on the lords and all the people who were in it. So the dead that he killed at his death were more than he had killed in his life. This man who was away from God, who had blown it, remembered God, the God that had endowed him with that supernatural ability, and cried to God and said, God, remember me. And in one act, fulfilled the mission that it should be, have been fulfilling all along. Yes. Destroyed all those people. I'm saying that to say this. In our quest to walk in victory over sin, you're going to miss it. You're going to make mistakes. But understand that even after you've made the mistakes, you need to get it right. Ask God to forgive you for the, whatever the thing is. And begin to trust God back again to live a life that's set apart unto him by the power of his spirit. We have a good example, and I'm going to shut, up, shut it up, in Joseph. The reason Joseph was able to say no to Potiphar was because he realized that he had been set apart unto God. I will not allow a cheap thrill to compromise an eternal purpose. When you read that passage and the encounter, the first thing Joseph said was, I cannot do this and sin against God. God was at the foremost of his attention. And he said, I cannot. This is a person who was focused on the fact that he was set apart unto God and therefore would not do anything to compromise or mess with that which God has set him apart to do. And I'm saying this to us. Because we, like Joseph and like Paul and like the rest of them, according to Ephesians chapter 1, verse 4, we've also been chosen, we've been sanctified, set apart for God. And therefore, if we maintain the same mindset by the power of the Holy Spirit, we'll be able to live above many of the things that trip many other people. The things that trip a lot of people were the same things that promoted Joseph. But the difference was he recognized that he had been set apart and lived up to that expectation. If Joseph did it, we can do it. Because now we have the Holy Spirit living inside of us. Leading us, guiding us, helping us. This is just the first installment in this message. We can go a little deeper than that next Wednesday. So at this point I just want to Leave it out to questions and comments. The takeaway here is understanding the meaning and living the focused life of being set apart unto God. And don't let your consciousness be filled with the sin issues. Any questions? Any takers? Any comments? <laughs> Judith, what are you thinking?
Anybody? Yes. Oh, Rose, don't tell him to shut up. In the months of babes, God has perfected praise. Give the young man the mic. <laughs> the mother was already telling him, shut up, put your hand down. So when you're talking about um, the group Al-Qaeda and oh. all that stuff, not to, well, is smoking and drinking like, um, how can I explain? I, I can barely hear you. I heard Al-Qaeda. <laughs> <laughs> oh, does smoking and drinking make you Al-Qaeda? Is that your question? Is it kind of being, um, is it kind of being, um, <coughs> well, I mean, yeah. well, um, I forgot what I was going to ask a little. Yes. Well, the smoking and drinking, um, a selfish way or in I mean, like it might be selfish to the body, but is it? I mean. Well, they say it affects your life, so does it mean it's selfish in your life? I didn't get it. Yes, you heard it? Does it mean it's selfish? In does it mean selfish been smoking and drinking? It might be selfish to your body, but is it selfish in your life? They say it affects your life. It's affect it destroys your life. So in a way, yes, it's reckless and selfish and destructive. Destruct and remember, your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. So that's, that's the primary concern right there. It defiles your temple. It defiles where God lives. Yes. And you know what's so funny about the question he asked? Most people will not come into the sanctuary and light a cigarette. They will not smoke in here. They will drive to the parking lot and turn the cigarette off and throw it away. They won't do it in here. But they will do it to their body. Not recognizing that God is not inside the bricks and wall. That your body is the temple of God. So, so, so there's a sense in which they recognize the fact that the temple is sacred. But they defile that temple all day long and come to a wall and say, oh, turn the secrets out. Oh, yes. Wow. My kids used to ask me those questions years ago. We would go to preach in certain churches and all the deacons and elders. <laughs> After, after the service is over, they line up on the wall. <laughs> and they will ask me. Yeah, they will ask me. Why, why are they smoking? I mean, they, they just left church. <laughs> I said, well, I don't know. <laughs> yes. They had a different purpose. Yes. Now, that is amazing. That we don't see our bodies as a sacred place. Yes. Oh, God's place. That's another thought. 
when I truly understand that my body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, that would change a lot of stuff. That revelation, to just understand that I have to carry this body in a particular way because God is in there. So what things will I do or do not do if the Holy Spirit can physically sit down and say, Greg, okay, let's, let's, what can you do? What will you not do? Incredible. You'll keep it clean. You'll keep your conversation clean. Everything will be clean. Everything. Anybody else? Yes, everybody. Otherwise, we just go home early. We're not in the time clock. <laughs> Praise God. Praise God. Yes. You said um, sanctification is being consecrated to God. Yes. Is it a one-time thing or a continuous thing? No. Well, and we're going to get there next week. Absolutely. When you are born again, you are positionally sanctified. God imputed to you. Actually, to be honest, even before you came to God, Jeremiah, he said to him, I knew you. Sanctified you in the womb. He was not even born. So there's some preparatory, preparatory sanctification that's going on in your life before you ever came to him. But the moment you became born again, absolutely, you are positionally sanctified. However, thereafter, there is a working out of that sanctification. And that is what's called the progressive sanctification. The word progressive or practical is used because it's an experiential, daily experience and encounter. Yes. And then, of course, when we finally appear before him and see him face to face, we have a perfect sanctification or glorification, if you will. Yes. But, but, but the, the neat thing about this is you can, even yourself, you can tell, you can really tell that you are growing, yes. that you are developing. Correct. The things that you did last week, last year, that you just, that you, that you didn't pay attention to, all of a sudden you are very sensitive to it. Without anybody coming to say, ah, thou shalt not. That, no. The Holy Spirit in you becomes so alive that you recognize, wow, this is where I was last year, look at where I am now. You grow. And you are growing. We are continuing to grow. I have one, one, one man of God put it this way. We were saved, we are being saved, and we will be saved. Saved at salvation, being saved as a process, and we'll be saved when we see him. Yeah. If, uh, I don't know if it's a two-part question. If sanctification is uh, related to God's um, creation at, of the womb, do you determine, can, can you determine, uh, let me say, pre, could you determine if you are sanctified? And I know you just said next week we'll continue with whether it is progressive or not. It so is progressive. What, it is progressive. Okay. Yes. So what role do you actually play as an individual 
if even before you were born, even before you Good came question. out of your mother's Good question. you were already... Uh, Good question. His question is, if God sanctified me before I was born, and had salvation imputed to me, positional sanctification, what role do I have to play going forward in my sanctification? Good question and huge. And I'm just going to touch this now and then we're going to go. The issue of being sanctified positionally is all God. You have nothing to do with that. Just as you had nothing to do with your salvation. At your justification, you received that imputed righteousness. Okay? However, remember Paul said something, made a tiny statement in the book of Philippians, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. The issue of working out, the issue of me now experiencing, working out what's in me has a whole, uh, has a, an element of human responsibility. It's still the Holy Spirit doing it. But now on this progressive practical sanctification, I have to cooperate. You understand what I'm saying? In my positional sanctification, it's done. It's a sovereign act of God one time. He does that. But the working and living it daily, the Holy Spirit is the one that's at work in me, both to will and to do of his good pleasure. However, he would not drag me and hit me on the head and make me do so. I have to yield myself to him. I have to cooperate with him. But the more I cooperate with him, the, 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 the more the light shines on it, the path of the just is as a shining light, shining more and more Onto the perfect day. Yeah, but we cover that. Yes, Pastor Charles. Had and perhaps what you're saying is this, Pastor, that we, we're all confronted with choices on a daily basis. And we, we have to choose life or choose death. Correct. God will not make that choice for us. The Correct. spirit will move us in a certain direction, but we have to yield to that spirit. That's good. Better said, that's better said. The spirit of God will show you what to do. You, you have... You, in fact, for, for most of us, we are not at a place where we don't know what to do. Let's be honest. When I'm feeling my income tax, and I have the opportunity to say, mm, if I just change this figure, it might bring me another $200 by just falsifying a tiny little information. You know right up the bat that that's wrong. The Holy Spirit will not wear a red shoe, a red hat, just as, ah, oh, don't do it. No, you already know it. So at that point, to Pastor Charles' point, you have a decision to make. You can either go ahead and do it and falsify the information to get that little extra money, or you can yield to the prompting of God and say, you know what, I'm not going to go there. That's the point. The same thing from what we said last Sunday, laboring to, to labor of love. Every day, I'm sure some of you by now, you've had the chance to walk in love or not to walk in love since Sunday. It's a daily thing. Daily thing. You answer the phone, somebody was rude on the phone. You can either tell them where to go, how long to stay there. <laughs> Absolutely. Every day you get those phone calls, man. Harassing phone calls. People you have no business with calling you there and trying to sell you something, take a poll. And usually when they call, it's at, at, it's at a time when it's not really convenient. So you can either talk to them nicely or you can just tell them, go hang it. Just go hang yourself. So, <laughs> so it's a choice. That's a better way of saying it. 
We are making those choices every day. You will make some tonight before you go to bed. The, to the degree that you yield to God and don't make your natural default choice what your flesh will have preferred to make, to that degree, you are getting, you are allowing your spirit man to take ascendancy in your life other than your soulish. That's where it's at. Ah, Judith, <laughs> my friend. Okay, last question. <laughs> okay, um, I don't know if you already said this with Samson, but so if you were sanctified before you were born, um, did you say you can lose it? And also, sorry, before you answer that, um, <laughs> regarding Uncle Greg's question, when he said, what's our part to play? Yeah. Could our parts be when we accept Jesus, like when we get born again, is that us accepting that um, sanctification that has already been before we're born? Okay. And if, let's say, we're all sanctified before we're born, and somebody doesn't accept Jesus, somebody doesn't get born again, do you lose it? Yeah, if you don't get born again, then you, you, you're not, you, your justification positions you. So if you don't get born again, that's, that doesn't even count now. There are many people that God had, well, God had plans for every one of his creation, but many of them will never fulfill it because they, they never answered that call to be justified. That's one. The issue of losing sanctification, this is what we're saying. If we understand the meaning of being sanctified, it mean that we are set apart. Every time I or I do what I want to do, apart from what God will desire for me to do, every time I do that, to that degree, I did not set myself apart for God. Do you understand what I'm saying? Being set apart for God means, simply means I live my life totally, completely to please him. I recognize I don't belong to myself. I'm purchased and owned by another one, another person. But every time I choose not to go their way and go my way, to that degree, I have deviated from that sanction and being set apart. Okay? But that's not the end of it. I can always come back by repenting and get myself right and continue to live apart from God. Now, the, the, the goal of sanctification, the goal of it, I didn't touch that. The goal of sanctification is to make me look like Jesus. Growing into the fullness of his image. Growing into the fullness of who he is. So that instead of God having just one son, Jesus Christ, on the face of the earth, he will have billions of sons that will be just like him. That's the goal. To bring me and you into the fullness of who God is. Amen? And so, Father, we want to thank you. Major, you had something? <laughs> Father, we just want to thank you for our time together tonight. We bless your name, Lord God. Thank you for refreshing us by the power and presence of your spirit and in your word. I pray for every man, woman, child that's been here tonight, God, that you help us as we seek to know you and seek to yield ourselves unto you a life of uh, sanctification and dedication. We just bless you. We honor you. Thank you, Father, that by the time we come back next week, there will be uh, testimonies of victories in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Come back next week and tell me how it works. Yes, sir. By just staying focused and being set apart. Yes, sir. Let's see if it works. Yes, sir. <laughs>